Are you gay? Do you know someone who's gay? If you answered yes to either question, hi, I'm Parker, and this is Parker's Pointless Podcast, where every week I talk about some pointless thought that was floating around in my little noggin. These topics will range from pop culture, to film and television, to politics, and to things happening in my own personal life, all of which I am not qualified to speak on, but because I am gay and delusional, I find the confidence and conviction within me to speak as if I am a professional. On today's episode, I'm kicking off Pride Month by talking about my journey with sexuality and gender. So let's get into it, dolls. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Parker's Pointless Podcast. OMG, you guys, it's me, Parker. Are you having a wonderful day? Because I certainly am. Oh my gosh, I feel so rusty, you guys. It's been a minute since I've been in the studio. I It's been a couple weeks. So it's so nice to be back here chatting with you all. Um, I hope you're having a great day, a great week, a great June. Happy Pride Month, you guys. I've been, you know, talking about this month for a long time, or a long time, since the podcast has started. I've had plans for this month and the content I was going to do for a while, so I'm so happy that we've finally gotten to this month. Happy June. Um, oh my gosh, it's just been so long. I have my notebook today. Last time I filmed, I didn't have my notebook, and it truly flew off the handle, um, as I'm sure we all remember. Um what's happened? What's been going on? I was just in New York City. Uh, My sister just graduated. Congratulations, Kelly. I know you're listening to this. You better work, girl. Congratulations to Yasmeen. She also just graduated school and got engaged as well. So congratulations, Yasmeen. Um, What else has been going on? Uh, Lots of things. You know, life has been crazy. Little Mermaid came out. I know we've been talking a lot about that. I have a bonus episode that's already, once this episode's out, it'll already be out. If it's not, I'm lying. But I'm, there will be a bonus episode just talking about Little Mermaid exclusively. So get into it, you guys. If you haven't seen it, you're late. And that's that on that. So happy Pride Month. This episode, you guys, we're going to be talking about me and my journey with myself and my sexuality and identity and what that's looked like for me and all the nitty-gritty details that so many of y'all are just dying to know. Um, but... <laughs> Oh, you guys, exciting update. Since um, the last episode, I have now um, part- partnered, I guess, or I work as an, a, wish I could remember the word, but I'm now working with ClassPass, you guys. I know, remember that one time throwback with the episode of the Mani when I talked about ClassPass and how you all should get into it? Well, guess what, you guys? ClassPass reached out to me and I DM them, and now I'm an affiliate. That's the word I was trying to come up with. I'm an affiliate for ClassPass. I have a code. I have a link that you guys can click. You can download. You can get two weeks for free. You can try it out whatever area you live in. You guys already know I love ClassPass. I live, laugh, love it. So if you're looking to try something, get into ClassPass, you guys. It is so amazing. I will put my link in the description of this episode. Wherever you're listening to it, you can click on it. It's already on my Instagram it's on my TikTok, so it's there. Um, I will, but I'll put it here just so you guys can get into it as well. But if you're really interested, you get two weeks free, and then you can go from there. You can set. They have multiple levels of credits that you can pay for depending on whatever your budget is, whatever your interests are. So it is very flexible for what your needs might be. But yes, please use my code if you're looking to get into it. I started with a two week free trial back a year ago, and 
I've had it ever since. And I'm obsessed. So I want y'all to get obsessed too because it is so worth it. Not only can you do fitness things, there are also like beauty things, massages, like some salons use it as well. I've never used it for that personally, but you know, to each their own. So exciting update. So get into ClassPass, you guys. Use my link and it'll be so fun for us all. So that's that on that. And let's get into the episode, you guys. So like I said, we're going to be talking about Pride Month this whole month. Um, This is not a history podcast. I just wanted to put it out there, this episode. I'm not going to be doing, you know, a lot of educational uh, talks about the history of Pride, the queer community in the United States internationally. I don't have the qualifications to have those conversations. Um, I'm also more interested in talking to, I'll have a lot of guests. Every episode this month will have a guest besides this one. And I'm going to want, I'm more interested in talking about their stories and their realizations of their identity and what their journey has looked like over the years. And, you know, just do a deep dive into that because I think that has more of an impact in my eyes. And I think that's just what this podcast is about. However, there are many, many podcasts that exist that are about queer history, that are about current events for the queer community there and about, you know, the history of pride and everything that goes along with that. I wrote a list down um, just to give you guys some references so you guys can look into um, other podcasts and get educated if you aren't. So there's one called One from the Vaults. There's one called Vintage Lesbians. There's a podcast called Hood Rat, Hood Rat to Head Rap. Um, specifically, that one's about like decolonizing um, the history of homophobia and like links to white supremacy. Very interesting. Um, Making Gay History. Queer America is another one. Also, if you've never listened to Jonathan Vanessa's podcast from Queer Eye, I know Queer Eye this season just came out. Jonathan Vanessa has a podcast called Getting Curious. And there's lots of topics that aren't queer exclusive, but there are lots of topics where he talks about queer history and it is extremely interesting. Queer history is also not taught in schools. So there's so, so, so much for you to learn. Um, but yeah, let's get into it this Pride Month. Learn everything you can. The queer community is very much at risk at this current moment, politically speaking. And the more education we have, the more we have to fight against bigotry because education and knowledge is the, you know, the weapon that we can use against ignorance. So with that being said, I'm going to get into talking about me and all the things that I got going. All right. So for those of you who don't know as well, LGBTQIA plus is the name of the entire community. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, LGBT, trans, queer, intersex, and asexual. And then the plus obviously includes a a whole multitude of gender expressions, sexual expressions, pansexual, non-binary, you know, there's a whole multitude of um, expressions and identities incorporated in the plus. So I'm going to be talking about where I fall in that community and how I've come to find it. So let's start. Let me just check my notes really quick, you guys. Okay, I wrote this down and I think it's important to say. I said this podcast is not going to be, or this podcast is going to be about experiences and self-understanding and our stories that not only define our queerness, but define us as individuals. And so that's going to be the, the mission statement of this month and what I'm going to accomplish with all of my guests this month. And also we'll just be talking about pride, what pride means to us, what that, what it just, you know, 
what it looks like, what it has looked like over the years, what we ex- what we expect it to look like in the future. So that's what y'all can look forward to. But today it's going to be about me. So without further ado, we got to get into the hot take of the week, you guys, because I know I've been I've because I've had so many weeks off, you guys. I've been having so many hot takes just piling into my brain because all I do is think of hot takes. But this one's going to be a pride special. So my hot take of the week is this. If your queer circle does not include women or vagina possessing people, it's giving misogyny. Let me elaborate because I know so many gay men, specifically cis gay men, that exclusively hang out with only other gay men, which, you know, isn't inherently a problem, of course, because, you know, community is important and, you know, finding common interests is important. However, historically speaking amongst the queer community gay men especially white cis gay men have been very exclusive of not only queer or gay men that are not white and gay men that are not especially like fit and like their type but also like trans women and just women in general it they've been very exclusive so the history of it is ugly and you know we don't want to continue that history because it's what ugly so and be inclusive of women. Make queer spaces inclusive for lesbians and bisexual women and just women in general because women are the reason why we have rights. Women are the reason why we exist. You guys, I'm not sure if you remember this. You were born from a woman. So women are the reason we live and breathe. Women are the reason that the queer community has rights in general. Who threw the first brick at Stonewall? A black trans woman. So women are the reason for the season. And also, historically speaking, with getting rights in our community, lesbians have been doing more and more work for gay men than gay men have done for themselves, especially in the HIV crisis. But that's for a different day. I said I wasn't going to talk about history because I'm not the most qualified to talk about it, but there are multitudes of ways you can look it up. So I encourage you all to get into it. But yeah, so if you're exclusive of women in your queer spaces, especially gay clubs, I know a lot of gays have issues with women being in their clubs and they complain about it. It's giving icky. It's giving misogyny. Not to mention women feel safe in queer spaces because for the first time ever, they don't have men hounding over them. And that is, you know, obviously due to the patriarchy and we are all oppressed by the patriarchy, queer people included. So we all need to work together to dismantle it and make a better society for all of us. So enough of that. Let's get into talking about what I got to go because I can just keep going on and on and on and on and on. And I probably will. But without further ado, let's talk about me because obviously I can do that so easily, you guys. So my story begins birth, July 16th, 1996. Born a young little baby. As we got from the episode with my mom, we obviously talked a lot about me dressing up as a kid and obviously I wore dresses and I was very fruity, very flowery, very gay since I was very young age. And I can, I've been gay, you guys, since I could literally remember. And one thing that I think is important to note, especially with conversations right now around queerness being, you know, perverted or being preying on children, queer children exist. Queerness doesn't just happen when you turn 18. It exists in you and through you throughout your whole life. And I am a living, breathing example of that. So I've been gay since I was little, little, little. And dressed up, wore dresses, lived, laughed, loved it all. So obviously that's childhood. And then I moved into 
junior high. That's puberty started. I think puberty is usually when the chaos begins for most kids. I'm obviously not a parent, so I can't really like speak to it from that perspective. But from experiencing it myself, that's when a lot of the the tea started to brew, if you know what I'm saying. So obviously hormones are raging. I starting to come into realization that I think I'm gay. I'm like, I think I'm attracted to men more than I'm attracted to women. Because as a kid, I was very feminine. I had a very high voice. I still have a feminine voice. I get called man literally all the time. It used to make me annoyed when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21. But now as like a young lady, I just think it's so fun. When people call me ma'am, I'm like, yes, that's me, the ma'am. But um, yes, so I was very feminine as a kid, got bullied a lot for it. People were like, are you gay? Are you gay? And I was a kid. So I was like, girl, what are you talking about? And all of y'all are obsessed with girls, but you hang out with only boys and I hang out with all of the girls and I'm all of their friends. So if anyone's winning, it's me. So hung out with all the girly pops. And so then when I came into puberty, I was realizing, I was like, hmm, I don't think, like, I don't like girls like that because they're just, they're all my friends. And I really care about them in that way. But I don't want to, you know, explore that sexually with them because that just doesn't feel right to me. But I find this attraction to men and to boys. And I don't know how to articulate that. And mind you, I was going to, I was in junior high from the years 2008 to 2010, which 2008, I believe, was the year that Prop 8 in California was like really big, um, which was, if you don't remember, Prop 8 was the proposition about legalizing gay marriage in this, in the state of California. I honestly don't remember the outcome of it. I think it, yes, was like to uphold it, which would prevent gay marriage from happening, and no was to, take it down, which would allow gay marriage to exist. I want to say no was the side that was most sided with in the state of California. I don't really remember. However, the repercussions of those conversations, I remember very vividly because I grew up in the church. I grew up in a very conservative environment, um, which I grew up in Southern California in Orange County specifically, which is very conservative um, or not, I wouldn't say very conservative, but there are very large pockets of very conservative white people. And yeah, that's what I grew up with. And I, junior high happened and I was experiencing hormones and feelings and this and that. And I started to internalize all of those feelings and really not letting them out and about. Which is funny because I went to school with people who were, like, gay, obviously. But, like, there were a couple out kids in my school, um, in junior high and in high school. Very, very few. But there were some people. There was that representation that existed. Very small, but it was there. Um, But it didn't start getting really complicated for me until I got into high school. Because I think high school is when, like, Obviously, puberty is still raging and going and going and going. But I think as you get older, you start to start realizing more things more quickly. Um, But freshman year of high school, I specifically remember this because this is where the religious trauma really began, y'all. So sorry, let me just trigger warning this episode right here right now. I'm going to be talking about religious trauma. I'm going to be talking about some sexual trauma. I'm going to be talking about my experiences navigating my identity. 
So that could be triggering for some of you. If it is, I have a, a whole multitude of episodes that are out that are not as heavy. If you want to listen to one of those, please feel free. If this one isn't for you, I understand. But the religious trauma that started to occur, especially when I was in high school, I went to this sermon that happened on like one of the Wednesday nights. Cause for, if you grew up Christian and especially Christian in Orange County, you kind of know the setup. Wednesday night church was always like the fun, cool, hip night to go to church versus Sunday was like the more traditional, you know, Sunday church moment. I grew up non-denominational, which is like similar-ish to Baptist, I guess, if you want to make a comparison. Um, But religiously speaking, um, it was Orange County, predominantly white, predominantly conservative. So socially, um, the religion was informed by those conservative politics. So I'll, I'll, that's all I'll say. But my freshman year, I went to the sermon where this guy spoke and he was talking about his experience with his sexuality. And he had experienced a large amount of sexual trauma that, you know, made him, made him think that he was gay, which as an adult who has a fully formed identity now, I can confidently tell you there's no such thing as like making you think you're gay. It's just you are coming into terms with a portion of your identity that is true to you. It could be true to you in that moment and it could be true to you throughout the rest of your life, but that is not for me to determine. That's for you to determine. So he came into this realization that he was gay because he experienced sexual trauma. And then he he went on to say that like his whole life was filled with sin and horrible, crazy, erratic behavior. And he was like flying off the handle, going out of control, blah, 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 blah. And that he really had no grasp, okay, what? He had no grip on his life. And then he like had a partner and then he like found God again because he grew up religious and whatever this experience happened, went away from the church, found a person that he was in love with. It was a man gay relationship, they both started going to church together and to like an accepting church, which mind you, he made it seem that a church that was accepting of gay people was like bad, awful, icky, icky, icky. And like that isn't real church because they accept gay people, which is really obviously for a young adolescent, like very, very malleable person that I was, was very, um, I don't want to say traumatizing because I don't know if that's the right word, but it was very unfortunately informative for me. And he went on to say, he's like, oh, and then I, I found God. And then I realized that my relationship with this man was like sinful. And then now I have a wife and kids. And realistically speaking, like, I don't know how his relationship is. That's not for me to speculate on with his wife. But like, either that man is gay and burying it deep down or he's bisexual, which both of which are being gay or bisexual, whatever is your identity is totally groovy, baby. Just be authentic in yourself and love yourself fully. But all that to say, that experience for me, I was 15 or 16, I was 15 years old, 14 or 15. I think I was 15, like freshly 15 years old. Very, very hard for me to hear. And then I started to think that I'm like, oh, I can't be gay because I hadn't experienced anything horribly traumatic like that. So I don't know how to understand myself and what I'm feeling because the only way I would ever feel that way is if I had XYZ experience, which hasn't happened to me. So it really just added a lot of confusion into my life. 
And then fast forward a couple months, this was my freshman year, I then found Musical Theater Village, which is where I started doing theater. As you can all tell, I'm a very theatrical person. I'm a very dramatic person. And I found theater and it really, really provided me with a huge portion of my identity. Mind you, before that, I I grew, grew up, you know, being very theatrical, dancing, singing, getting into all that. And then I started doing television work when I was uh, in elementary school throughout junior high. And then I really wanted to get more into TV and like do bigger roles. And my mom was like, I think you should, you know, take some acting classes first, maybe get into theater, get some like understanding of what this uh, experience might be for you and just get some training. So let's get into theater. So I did. Fell in love with it. It really, really unlocked a piece of me that I didn't know that I needed to have unlocked. And, you know, I mean, granted, the theater I was in was very also conservative, Orange County. And it was a interesting place to be. However, it was very helpful for me. So it's kind of I have a complicated relationship. So sorry, I just had a little burp. I had a complicated relationship with that place because uh, while it was amazing for me, it was also harmful for me and hard to experience. I obviously have come to terms with it now and I have come to peace with it. But it was it was an interesting time for me because I was there for probably five or six years. Like my freshman years, uh, freshman, sophomore, junior high school, junior, senior year of high school. I was there pretty much every night, every weekend. I was obsessed with it. It truly, it felt like home to me. And in that place, I started to experience, let me just go to my notes just to make sure I'm staying on track. Um, oh, I started to experience a lot of, you know, high school, more grown, more womanly feelings when it comes to understanding your sexuality. And so I started to explore that and it was very interesting. Um, and I'll just leave it at that, but it was very interesting. And I started to feel more complicated which I think is normal. You know, you're starting to explore who you are, especially coming from a background of saying something is bad or something is shameful or something is like sinful. Um, I started to explore it while simultaneously being afraid of it, which made me feel just really cuckoo banana crazy. Um, So very much filled with shame and embarrassment while simultaneously feeling very emboldened is that the right word you guys I kind of sometimes I've listened after listening to this podcast I kind of realize I make up words sometimes and they may not be correct but you know what it's giving William Shakespeare like I've said before I just make up words and make it work how I want it to but I was feeling very filled with shame while simultaneously feeling very passionate about what my identity might potentially be so it was a complicated mixture of feelings of not know, like feeling like I was being pulled from one side to the other. And I was also being surrounded by, this was very popular rhetoric at the time, um, by bigots, by the way, which is still kind of popular. You might have heard this expression before, but especially in my church, because, you know, Christians are good people. However, some of them are the most rotted, gutted, foul people you'll ever meet on this planet. But the rhetoric of love the sinner, hate the sin was very, very, very deeply rooted into my brain at that age because they're like, oh, well, we don't hate you. We just think what you're doing is sinful. 
you aren't the problem. What you're doing is the problem. So just don't do that. Which it's like, how do you, you know, this isn't just something that I'm doing. This is my whole entire existence and identity. So it's a little, you know, not the tea to say that to someone because it's like, girl, I don't know what you're trying to say. And I don't know how to handle what you're trying to say. So I don't know where I was going with that one. But that was very much the rhetoric of the church that I was in and also the theater that I was in. And it was very fun or fun, fun. It was funny because the church I was at also was trying to make me feel guilty for not being there what because I was out like I was either at rehearsal or I was at a performance or I was out of this or I was out of that and mind you theater was what I was passionate about theater was what was filling the void theater was what was giving me a sense of purpose and uh, giving me something to look forward to and the fact that a place that like church which mind you church had thrives off of claiming to be a community and claiming to be this place that's like full of love I was like why am I being told to feel bad about not being here but I'm like God's love is boundless y'all keep telling me and if I miss church on a Wednesday night I'm pretty sure God's not going to be that mad because he has a lot of other problems to worry about diva so why is me missing that big of a deal so that was you know that whole experience I then obviously the years went on and I started going to church less and less and less my senior year and I just started to distance myself from it because it just wasn't a healthy environment for me to be in. And even though I didn't have a full understanding of my identity, I knew that it wasn't a positive place for me to be. But fast forward to my senior year of high school, I went to church camp and because I went to church camp every summer. And Hume Lake, by the way, if you've ever been, it's actually really, truly beautiful. I wish I could go there in a non-religious setting because I think it would be really fun and it would very much heal an inner child in me but that doesn't matter um I went to this church camp this summer and it was my going into my senior year I had a more a more fully formed identity in my head I had at that point started to experiment sexually so I knew that sexually is what it what felt good for me it's what I liked it's what I enjoyed. It's what I wanted to explore more of. So I had a fully formed version of who I was in my head by that time. So then I said that to the people I went to church with. And we, mind you, this is part of just a church camp and the toxicity of it all. But like we were split up into boys and girls. I went to a huge church, by the way. So this church camp, there was like maybe 150 of us that were there from my church specifically. And mind you, I got all along really well with a lot of people. So this is nothing against them personally. But we were split up in the boys' cabin and the girls' cabin. They're very segregated. And a bummer for me because I'm just one of the girlies, as y'all all already know. I would love to be a have-been in the girls' cabin because it's who I felt comfortable with. It's who I was friends with. It's who I wanted to spend all my time with. So I wish I could have been in the girls' cabin because it would have probably been a way better experience for me. But that's neither here nor there. I was with the boys because I am a boy, but I was in the boys cabin and I, you know, we were in our little small groups and I like kind of came out and it was one of those experiences that was really weird because they were like, oh my gosh, you are so brave, which I was like, huh? 
I was like, I'm just being honest, which I'm like, I guess honesty is, I mean, they're not wrong because coming out is a very brave thing to do. But it was then met with the, okay, well, congratulations for being so brave and congratulations for choosing to live a life of not being yourself, which was what was expected of me. I was applauded for being honest while then being given the ultimatum of, okay, so now you have to choose you or you have to choose God, which I was 17 years old and being placed on this or placed, being put under this pressure was like overwhelming for me as one, as it would be for anyone as it would be for anyone of probably any religious background that, you know, expects you to choose between yourself and God. And mind you, what I had been preached and taught was that, like, this was the greatest sacrifice you could ever make because the religion I grew up with was obviously Christianity. Jesus died on the cross, rose again three days later, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to get into that. But Jesus sacrificed his life for you, so you should be willing to sacrifice your life for him. And I went to a church that very much like put martyrdom on a platform, which if you don't know what a martyr is, obviously it's someone who dies for a purpose or a cause. And there, I went to a church that was like very much big on all the people that died for Christianity, which is very, very toxic, obviously, as you can, as you can understand. But um, very much the idea of you have to choose between yourself or choose church, the church and choose God and choose godliness and God's love, which was very hard for me as it would be for anyone. And I was obviously a 17 year old who was craving validation and I was craving this idea of like belonging and not feeling isolated because growing up queer, especially in a conservative environment is a very isolating experience. And I didn't want to feel that way anymore. So I was like, oh my gosh, so now I'm being torn between these two things. I'm going to kind of go with the path of choosing God because that's what this environment is. Mind you, you're with those people for like eight days in the wilderness. So like it was, I would just felt like this is my community. This is what I had to do. And so I then was like, okay, I'm going to choose God. And then the days progressed and I like I came back from church and I, I mind you at that church camp too I like rebaptized myself and it was very much it was very sad and the days passed as I got home from church camp and it was probably within a month I was miserable like I was like horribly depressed for a 17 year old like I couldn't imagine what it was like for my parents to see that I'm sure it was very um scary and I got to a point where I was very, 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 very in a dark place. And I had like, I don't want to say like become suicidal because I don't think that that's like, I don't think I would have ever done it. To be honest, I don't think I would have ever, I've never harmed, like physically self-harmed myself or I've never done any sort of act of self-harm. And I've, I don't think I ever, I don't think I possess the ability to get to a point of unaliving myself but I was very much experiencing suicidal thoughts and I was saying things like that and I started to vocalize it and my parents became very concerned as any parent would and my unfortunately kind of a 
interesting decision. Granted, I don't blame my parents because they were they were just in a tough position. They didn't really know what to do. And I was then put into contact with my pastor of my church or the, of my like high school group. And he came over to my house and was like talking to me about it. And I was like, I just don't want to be miserable for the rest of my life. Like I want to have the opportunity to love who I want to love. I want to have the opportunity to potentially have a family to like feel loved by the person who I want to love me. And I don't want to sacrifice that for anything. I don't care if it's God. I don't understand why God would want me to do that. I don't understand why I should have to be miserable when people who aren't like me get to live the life of their choosing. It doesn't make sense to me. And it was in that moment that I then kind of started to realize, I'm like, I don't think this place is a good place for me to be. I realized, I really, really, from this point on, don't remember a lot of what happened. I think I blacked out a lot of it, um, obviously. And it's also, it's been like almost 10 years. It's like, mm, I'm 26, almost 27. That was about 10 years ago. So I don't remember a lot of it. But from then, I remember not going to church as much. I remember like kind of separating myself from that. And it was in that year that, you know, I then started making a lot of crazy decisions and this is when I begin my crazy kind of cuckoo bananas going off the rails kind of track, which is for a lot of queer people my age, especially, this is hopefully starting to change, but we'll see. I feel like when you are held in a very tight conservative environment, you have a, a the, pe the pendulum swings the other way and it swings as far as you were pulled back. So for the people who I this is obviously speculation. I am not a therapist. I am not a psychologist. I am not, I don't have any degree, anything like that. This is just from experience. But I feel like people who had a more neutral, grew up in a more neutral environment, who were able to explore and safely and soundly understand themselves in a more conducive environment, they don't have these reactions and their adult ears tend to be a little more productive and healthy, healthy for lack of better words. But because I was so held back, I really fully swung the other way. And so my early 20s were a lot of me doing crazy shit that I am not necessarily going to continue to do. But you know what? It was formative for me. It was helpful for me. I'm not going to regret it. Would I do it again? No. Would I, you know, shame myself for doing what I did? No, because it was helpful for me to understand who I was. Um, granted with that being said, I do want to take a little tangent for a second because one of the things that is most common right now, especially in the state of California is talking about queer education and queer sex ed. It is really, really a beyond important that our sexual education programs, because, you know, kids have sex, kids have sex. I don't know if you all know that kids have sex, especially when they're in their like hormonal puberty puberty years, that's when people start to explore those feelings because they physically start having them. It is important for all kids to know how to have sex safely and what it looks like, what it should feel like, what consent is, what consent isn't, what, what should be, you know, a healthy environment to explore these things. And currently sex ed is taught only for straight people about like vaginal sex and, and um, like straight people sex, LOL, heteronormative ideas of what sex should be. 
It doesn't talk about like what sex looks like for gay people, bisexual. Like, there's no concept of like sexuality involved in sex ed, which is weird because they're inherently connected. But people are, you know, parents always are like, I don't want my kid learning about sex, which is like, okay, well, I when do you expect them to learn about it? Which this goes into the conversation about what how gay people learn about sex. So for me and for many people who are my age and in my community, just in general, gay people learn about sex from one of two ways, which are both are not necessarily the best. One, porn. Porn is the most easily accessible sex ed you can get because it is right there on the internet, especially with the internet growing and growing and growing. It is easily accessible. It is what you want to see. It is. It has the most widely uh, the the widest variety of you know things you could see it helps you understand yourself so i don't think demonizing porn is the way to go however there's a lot of conversation to understand about there's a lot of pornography that is rooted in violence and rooted in you know misogyny and bigotry and not all porn of course there is ethically created porn which i as a person who supports sex workers and sex work in general uh, there is ethically created porn, and I support ethically created porn because it's, you know, and most is free to view. Absolutely. And that's why porn is so accessible because it's free. It's on the internet. It's There's a lot of it. And yeah, so source we support ethically created porn here on this podcast because girly pop, people have the right to do what they want to do. If they want to make videos of themselves having sex, let them do that because they have the right to do that. So anyways, I'm not going to get onto that because I can go on and on and on. But People learn about sex, gay people learn about sex from porn or very common route. They will trust someone who is typically, especially in my environment, older than them because those people, because, you know, it takes a while to understand your identity. It takes a while to know that you're gay and be okay with it and be firm in your identity. And so usually those people tend to be older than 18 because a lot of people come out when they're 18 and so it takes a couple years so those people tend to be in their 20s and mind you there are a lot of young pre not prepubescent but young people who are in their teenage teenage years who are not 18 yet who see those people and are like oh you have an understanding of yourself i want to feel that way too i want to explore how i'm feeling with someone who already does which legally speaking is not legal because you know you should not be having like the a minor is having sex with someone who is older than them and that is statutory rape i'm not going to get into that because blah 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 lots of lots to talk about there but for a lot of people that is the those are the only options because a they don't learn they don't learn about it at school b there's no one in their school that they feel comfortable enough to explore with because bigotry exists and homophobia exists and like where people are afraid to be their authentic selves and be with people who are also their authentic selves in a school environment. Because, you know, if high schoolers are having sex with other high schoolers, which happens all the time, if gay people were able to explore that too, I can promise you sexual trauma for a lot of queer individuals and queer children, what the numbers would go down immediately because they would be able to explore it with people their own age and they're comfortable with. But 
I kind of went on a whole ass tangent. I'm so sorry. So we need to advocate for queer education in schools and queer sex ed because it will be very effective in reducing trauma amongst queer children. But without for going on to my own story, I obviously, with that being said, didn't have that education, didn't have those experiences. So I kind of leaned into people who were, you know, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm kind of realizing I don't think I want to say what I'm going to say. So I'm not going to say it. Um, but I had experiences and it was not necessarily the smartest idea, but it was what I had to do. And in retrospect, wouldn't do it again. But, you know, it's what I did. It's how I learned. And I grew up and my mid-20s were crazy. And I did a lot of things that were crazy. And I don't regret it. And, yes, then I started to understand myself more. I started to be able to reel back in some areas and explore other areas more. It, it started to settle as I grew and more and more and more into myself. And then I went to Ithaca. I had, I obviously experienced some sexual, with all the experiences that I've had, there had to be some negative experiences because there were a lot of experiences. So a couple of them had to be negative, unfortunately. And I went to school. I experienced some sexual trauma at the beginning, not to trauma dump on anyone, obviously, but this is a podcast, so y'all are willingly listening to this. But went to Ithaca, had some sexual trauma there, was within my first week of school, which tarnished my whole experience at Ithaca. I'll talk about Ithaca in a different podcast episode in the future, but it was really hard for me and um, really, truly ruined my experience there. And obviously being raised and raised and feeling very isolated. Um, Experiencing sexual trauma makes me feel even more isolated. And then to be in a school by myself across the country for my whole family was even more isolating. So really, I fell into a deep, deep, deep hole that whole year. And it took me years to get out of it, you guys, like years and years and years. And thank God for therapy. I've talked about therapy before. I love therapy. It's really changed my whole perspective on life. I recommend all of you get therapy if you can. Um, if you have access to it, please, please, please seek it. It will change your life. But I've already talked about that. But after I went, got out of school, blah, 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 years and years passed, the pandemic happened. Pandemic, I think, was a huge reset for a lot of us um, within, within talking about our own identity. That, that break, that pause, that societal, you know, lull gave me the opportunity to really explore myself. That was when I was 24, 25, and now I'm 26. So th that was those years, my mid-20s. I then was like, I got to sit with myself. I got to, you know, feel, feel my feelings and really understand who I was. That's when I started going to therapy as well. And that's when the conversation around gender really entered my head. So I, I knew I was gay. Obviously, I knew I've known I was gay since forever. I came out when I was 18. I, you know, understood my sex, the sex part of my sexuality when I was 18. But it wasn't until 24 in 2020 when I was like, okay, there's something a little different going on in my head. Which I think also in that time, the converse because the conversation around gender has majorly progressed over the years and like the conversation around what they them means and being the the concept of the binary is starting to phase out and we're starting to see life as a spectrum 
And so that was when that conversation entered my head in 2020. And I was like, hmm, how do I feel about my gender? How do I feel about my gender expression? Who am I? What do I have to offer? And I was then, I was like, okay, so I'm very femme, very feminine. I love that about myself. I don't feel inclined to hide that. I don't ever want to hide that. So what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my gender expression? Mind you, at that time, I also started to grow out my hair because of the pandemic. You know, didn't want, couldn't get my hair cut, and I have always wanted to grow it longer. And so having my hair longer, starting to paint my nails, starting to, like, I got a piercing. I started to wear more jewelry. I started to, like, experiment with how I presented. I felt very confident in my feminine side. So I then started to ask myself, I'm like, am I trans? That was, like, one of the first things that entered my head was I'm like, am I do I feel my most authentic self as a woman or do I feel kind of more of in the in-between? And I kind of started to settle. I was like, okay, I don't think I'm, oh, I don't think, I don't identify as trans because I don't think that's where I fall. I don't identify as a woman, not necessarily. And I mean, honestly, life is a road. So who knows, maybe in the future that'll change. As of right now, it's not the case. But I'm like, I very much identify or I like my anatomy. I like being a boy, I guess. I like my body the way that it is. I like, you know, other men. I like masculine qualities in other people. I like the feminine qualities within myself and the balance with certain masculine qualities. I have very few, but, you know, more feminine. But I like the masculine qualities that exist within me. So it started to bring up the conversation of where do I fall in the middle because I knew that I wasn't he, him, and I knew I wasn't she, her. And I was like, okay, so the they, them is starting to make more sense to me. It's starting to feel more correct in who, who Parker is. Because at that point, I knew, I was like, I am an individual. My expression is tied to who I am as an individual, who Parker Griffin is. And that's when I kind of started to settle on they, them, slash he, they. I, I currently, my pronouns as of right now are he, they, because I feel like that's the most, you know, authentic to who I am. Personally, I don't care if you call me she, he, or they. It does not matter to me because I'm, if you love me, I know that you'd love me. So you can call me whatever pronouns you want. That differs for every single queer person. But for me personally, any pronoun with respect works for me, Diva. So I, but I use he, they because it feels the most correct as I I present male, but also there is some queerness in my identity and my presentation. So he, they felt the most correct to me. And, you know, I'm still exploring that. I'm still trying to understand that. If you are ever questioning your gender or your sexuality and you need someone to talk to, if I'm available, I'll talk to you. Obviously, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. So I don't necessarily have the bandwidth to talk to everyone about it. But if you ever want to talk to someone, you can talk to me or Anyone who's available, you know, obviously trust them and verify that they're a person that is a safe space for you to have those conversations with. But, um, yeah, I encourage you all to explore your identity because life's too short to not, you know. I think there's a little bit of queerness in all of us. I think life's a spectrum, sexuality's a spectrum, gender's a spectrum. I think it exists in all of us. And I think we all deserve the opportunity to explore ourselves and we deserve to live our most authentic and truest selves. And 
that's what I want to wrap this episode up with, that I, although my life has been presented a lot of challenges within, you know, my identity and my sexuality and whatever, over the years, I have learned that the happiest I will ever be is when I'm the most filled with love for myself. Because it is not worth living life hating yourself. And for so many years, I I didn't like who I was because I wasn't allowed to be who I was. And it wasn't until I was, I, I gave myself the permission to live my authentic self that I started to feel happiness and love. And I was able to start loving other people because for years I, I hated myself. So I projected that hate of myself to the world and I hated the world. And there are so many people that are filled with hate. And I think it's so tied to how they feel about themselves. So I encourage you all to explore yourselves, explore your heart, explore your soul, explore your identity, explore the the idea of un, being unlimited because you are not limited to anything. Let me remind you, you are not limited to anyone's expectation of yourself. You get to choose how you want to live. You get to choose how you want to exist. You get to choose who you want to be. So take the time to feel that and explore that. And who knows, maybe you'll maybe you'll end up being like, oh, I very much identify he, him, and I like women and I, I've tried men, but it doesn't, it's not really for me. You know, slay. I love, love the courage to explore. But yeah, live your most authentic self because I can promise you from my, from my own personal experience, it makes your life so much more beautiful. Color with all the crayons in the box. Color with color outside of the lines. Feel passionate enough to, and emboldened enough to live life outside of the binary because it is a more beautiful life. So with that being said, I kind of said a lot and I also feel like I said nothing. So this whole episode has been, I'll have to re-listen to this and see how it goes, you guys, because I'm so curious. But that has been my story kind of in a nutshell. I'll obviously touch on things in the future and explore more of my identity in the future as well. But that's, you know, my story. Um, I hope it's inspired you to maybe live in your truth, maybe explore some part of your past and your present to expand on your future. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful day. Um, I'm going to have a great day. I'm probably going to go eat some food because I'm really, I deserve it because this was a, I was, I've, I'll be really honest with you guys. I was really nervous about this episode. I've been really nervous about this episode since I started the podcast because I knew it was coming and I was really nervous on how to be vulnerable and how vulnerable I could be and, you know, how, how it would go. So I hope it went well. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you appreciated it. Um, I hope you appreciate my story. If it helps you, I love that. If it doesn't, I'm so sorry. Um, but I hope you all have a wonderful, beautiful pride month, um, exploring all the colors of the rainbow Please like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. I do put out new videos every Monday, a new podcast episode every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Um, Pacific Standard Time, of course, because I don't live anywhere else but California. So it comes out at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Um, I will be having a lot of guests, all queer, of course. We're going to be exploring our identities. We're going to be talking about what it's been for us. It's going to be similar to this episode, but, you know, we'll have some funny, funny bits here and there. We may have some tears. We may have some drama. Who knows? But that's what Pride Month is for, you guys. It's for the tea, the drama, and the shade. So have a beautiful Pride Month, you guys. Live in your truth. There's a lot of bigotry on display in this country right now, in the United States of America. I know I have some international listeners. I'm not sure what it's like for you guys where you're living, but in the United States, it's a little scary. But let me tell you something. In the face of all this bigotry, being your truest and most authentic self is the is the greatest thing that you can do to fight bigotry because they cannot take that away from you. They cannot take away your ability to love yourself. They can obviously create legislation around it and that's what we need to fight. But being yourself is the greatest thing you can do. And I will, I will say that till the day I die. So love yourself, love the world around you. Um, as RuPaul said, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? Amen. So with that being said, love your friends. Love your queer brothers and sisters, your non-binary pals. Um, support the community if you are a straight person. Please, you know, go to gay bars. Support gay bars. Support gay businesses and nonprofits. You know, give your money to where it's due. Don't support the rainbow capitalism of it all. Blah, blah, blah. We're go I don't want to talk about that. But support your friends and support local local drag artists. Support, support local trans artists. You know, support the community. Give your money to the community because they need it. And, you know, fight bigotry in any environment you are able to because it's necessary. Other than that, you guys, I have been talking for a long time. I had no guests today, so it's just been me on the mic. I'm sure you're all tired of hearing my voice. I'm tired of hearing my voice. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Have a beautiful Pride Month. I love you all truly to the moon and back. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode. If you got through the whole thing, you better work, bitch. Um, I love you all. I hope you have a wonderful day. I will see you all next week on the next episode, okay? Have a beautiful week. Happy Pride. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Parker's Pointless Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review, share this with a friend, or both. Can't wait to chat with you all again next week. This is your host, the daintiest doll in town, Parker, signing off. Bye.